Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. So here we are. It's just, is it the 2nd of January, 2022? It's I so hard to tell, it. isn't it? It's, Yesterday I was New Year's Day and it was Saturday, and I've never, uh, never has a Saturday felt more like a Sunday. Right. <laughs> well, this actually is a Sunday, isn't it? Two, it is. The 2nd of January, 2022. Ask me. What presents I've got for Christmas, Mark? It's the 2nd of January, 2022. Ask me what presents. I've got a feeling I know the answer to this, actually. I've got a feeling the answer is none. <laughs> is that right? Not that you're unpopular, but that you've been poorly with the COVID. And therefore, be poorly with the COVID. a rapping on the door. Yeah, so it's happening today. Christmas is happening later today. Anyway, brilliant. Uh, the reason I raised this is uh, there's a column by Giles Corrin in the Times yesterday. Was oh it? yeah, I read it. Yeah, it was where where he talked about uh, he was uh, he was joking about if he if he and his wife were divorcing, he would allow her to keep everything in the house because he know he got to the stage of life. And technology had reached, reached a stage where he no longer wished to own anything at all. And then anything you wanted could be kind of downloaded onto a, onto a Kindle or onto a computer or whatever. And so the era of, of physical gifts had completely passed. And he pointed out that his children didn't want any of that stuff any, anymore. You know, they just wanted more screen time. That's how they interrogated their... Uh, kind of leisure pound you know well, i've got some really sympathy for that point <laughs> yes. i mean i feel quite the same way you know when people say to you the older you get they say what do you want for christmas and I, increasingly you say i really don't want anything i just don't you know this is the odd book i, I wouldn't mind but uh, you know in terms of, 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 of the value of things you know you used to be so fond of individual records i am fond of them but if they disappeared i could replace them same with books you know, I think the only thing, if the house was on fire, I think it would be kind of parental heirlooms. Be my it dad's would. war medals, you know, my dad's war diary, you know, the odd uh, little picture given to me by my mum or whatever. That, that's the kind of thing you'd say because it's irreplaceable. Otherwise, what? 
It, it, it's just, I think it's particularly interesting when you, when you talk about it in terms of music, because for so long, the kind of habit of uh, being really attached to music was expressed in the ownership of, of the relics of music, you know, the recorded, yeah. the recorded versions of music, you know, the LPs, it was CDs, whatever. And that's gone away. Completely. <laughs> I think for lots of people, it's completely gone away as a, as a kind of major habit. Whereas in books, it's still hung on, hasn't it, really? You know, the people people like to get an actual physical book. You know, it feels like... Feels yeah, like which, which someone's written. Of affection, yeah. Steve, or whatever, you know. It's a gift to give people. They don't feel the same way about... Well, I suppose they might. They, some people feel the same way about records, um, but the but, but the but the the majority of the, of the population that's no longer the case at all. And um, I thought it was really interesting that the, the reference to Giles Corrin to his teenage children no longer seeming bothered about that kind of stuff. I thought really rang true. Actually, yeah, it does. Yes, our children are past their teenage years, you know, so they've. They're, they're on the other side of it now. But, uh, I mean, small children, toys are still incredibly powerful thing. You know, they, they, they mean a lot to them. But, you know, how, how do you buy something for a 12-year-old in 2022 that excites them? I do not know, really. And the idea that that's um, extra screen time is, is, a, is dispiriting. <laughs> it's, a hard, it's a hard present to wrap. <laughs> it is. It is anyway. So talking of screen time, um, slowly recovering from the COVID, um, I've been watching loads of films, and I finally, finally got the kind of energy yesterday or the day before to watch um, a couple of music things, uh, which people have been telling me to watch. And one is Summer of Soul, which yes, is, I've um, seen that. For those for anybody. For anybody who's invested in um, in Disney Plus to see the Beatles get back, that's another thing they might like to check out, as they say <laughs> on the radio. <laughs> um, Summer of Soul is an absolutely intriguing film. It was uh, it, it was shot in the summer of 1969 over various days. I think um, nine consecutive park. Sundays. Is it? I is think it nine? I think Sundays. it is. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, there yeah. you go. Yeah, in, uh, in, in, Mount, in Mount Morris Park in Harlem. In Mount Morris Park in, in Harlem. And it's it's really intriguing because it's it's kind of low budget other than the stellar nature of the talent, which is just absolutely extraordinary because they had no lights and so they couldn't shoot anything at night, you know, so it entirely takes place in the daytime, doesn't it? In front yeah. of... A crowd, but not an enormous crowd. It's not a Woodstock-type crowd. You know, it's, I don't know, it's 40,000 people or something like this, rather than half a million or however many there were, were at Woodstock. But it features just about everybody who is anybody in the world of, of black music in, in 1969. You know, it's got, it's got everybody from the fish, fifth dimension to Gladys Knight and the Pips. Staple singers, Nina uh, Simone. Staple singers. Simone, Sly, Sly and the Family Stone, David Ruffin out of the Temptations, BB King is there. Yeah, it's absolutely extraordinary array of talent. Just getting up and apparently just doing a couple of numbers or something like this. Very yeah. often backed by a pickup group. 
who are adapting to the styles of absolutely everybody. And it, it's just an extraordinary exhibition of, of that, that kind of generation of talent and what was, what was going on in, in, in music in 1969. It's, it's, uh, it really worth seeing. And and some um, some very striking fashion notes as well, aren't there? There are, there there are, are. you know, <laughs> you know, there, there is the um, the everybody adopted the dashiki, the um, you know, the kind of African tunic, the collarless tunic, that's right, with the beads, yeah. and uh, and various various kinds of flares, and 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 um, and the costumes looked as if they were they were they were on their way to their normal gig. Which was playing some casino somewhere in the evening, you know, somewhere <laughs> in New, New Jersey. You know, they looked as if they're on their way to do do a do a kind of posh wedding, didn't they? Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, I thought it was. It's really remarkable, isn't it? It's amazing, and and you forget the kind of black music at that time was broadly either gospel, uh, Edwin Hawkins singers, and you know people like Haley and Jackson and, is still there. Yeah, yeah Claire Hawkins Walker and the Gospel Redeemers. Oh God, they're fantastic! Incredible. It's either yes. that or it's or it's soul. You know, David Ruffin doing "Get Up, My Girl." You know, the only indications of what's about to come are Stevie Wonder doing this. Oh, who's for now? He's nineteen at the time. He always amazing playing drums. Plays incredible keyboard solo and he's solo and he's playing this little bit of. It's kind of a, the elements of funk and also Sly and the Family Stone, which is just absolutely unbelievable. Somebody says that that, that people's idea of a black group at that time were five guys in suits and ties, you know, who would leap on stage the moment they were announced and go into some kind of routine. And the idea that you know, if you announced that Sly Stone was coming on. Was he really there? Well, yeah, well, that's true. And if he was, what time would he turn up? And they would eventually slouch on these guys in their kind of psychedelic clothes. And he had a white drummer. Yeah. He had two girls who were musicians. Yeah. One was a keyboard player and one was a trumpet player, which is very unusual because mostly girls at that time were, were, were just singers, weren't they? And yeah. Uh, yeah. so it was a kind of two-tone funk and psychedelic kind of game-changer, cross-gender group. It's incredible. And also kind of the idea that it's still kind of a sense of gospel. It was still evangelical. It was kind of the minister of fun, you know. And this I is, thought that was amazing. There were so many high points. The, the it was Gladys Knight and the Pips, the Pips dance routines. Oh, yes. Oh, Clustered around one microphone, trying to trying to dance while not getting too far away from the microphone because they are actually singing. They're actually they, you know? singing. Yeah. <laughs> not mime it at all. Um, no, it's there's amazing. a bit where, where they... He, the, 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 they interview kind of um, a few of the performers who look back on it. One is Mavis Staple, who, who remembers that Mahalia Jackson said to her, I don't feel very well. Will you help me out with this song? Yeah. Precious Lord, take my hand. And that's that, that, that version of that song by the two of them together is incredible. She says that was the the time of my life, wasn't it? You know, the Staples singers are, I do think, were just amazing at that point. And that was probably just before they started making records for stacks. And so they were still kind of gospel group, you know. Yeah. Uh, and um, Pop Staples playing, playing an electric guitar. And the sound of the Staples singers is an absolutely extraordinary thing. And and Mavis Staples says, you know, that Father used to get accused of playing the blues. And, of course, there was a, that was a, a very much of the generation of you. You either played the devil's music or sanctified music or whatever. You changed the lyrics, you know, like Sam Cooke did and all these people. Um, but but if you listen to Staple Singers' music, the whole of kind of what you might describe as African-American music is in there. 
It's just it in there. <laughs> it's in the sound. And the only thing I found slightly tiresome about the film is the inevitable, um, you know, interjections by kind of contemporary critics. You know, people who clearly weren't there at the time who yeah. want to point out to you how this fits into the great picture. I know. You know well, actually, if you listen to it, you can. It does, you know, and, and you completely. Don't, you don't need to have it pointed out to you. You know that Sly and the Family Stone, when they sing higher, that's gospel. It is. Gospel. I mean, yeah. it's gospel. Uh, you know, they, they it might have been in flares, you know, but it was gospel. You know, it's completely self-evident that stuff. There's yeah. an interview. There's a, they drop in an interview with Pop Staples, who I think died about in about 2000. But there's a little interview with him, and he's talking about picking cotton. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. When yeah. he's, you know, oh, and he yeah. picked cotton for three dollars oh, yeah. a week, fourteen hours a day. for a week. Three dollars a, a week. He learned guitar from all the kind of locals in Mississippi at the time, who included Robert Johnson, Charlie Patton, Sunhouse. I mean, there is no stronger link back to American, no, no. you know, roots music than pop staples. It's incredible. Absolutely. The more I looked at that, there was always it was always suggested it was the Black Woodstock, wasn't it? That's how they kind of tried to, to promote yeah, it. Yeah, well, it, it wasn't funding. real. But I mean, the more you see moments like that, pop staples talking about working on the cotton fields, the more it made Woodstock seem like the most appallingly kind of middle class <laughs> thing, alone out of white college students listening to Ten Years After and drinking yes. white. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, after after what I watching Summer of Soul, I watched for no reason at all, other than that it was there on Netflix, and I thought I hadn't seen that for a long time. I watched uh, another in concert film, uh, which I realised from my calculations was made thirty nine years ago oh, right. this year, and this was. Talking Heads stop making sense. Is that how long? I, I, it? I, My goodness, it's nineteen eighty-three. Which wow. you work that out from two thousand twenty-two is yeah. thirty-nine years ago, and I don't think I've seen it since it came out. You know, I think I went. Is to this some the big white screen? Yeah, it finishes with the big white suit. Yeah. But it's Jonathan Demi. Jonathan Demi shoots Talking Heads on a kind of soundstage. I think it is in front of an audience. And, it, and the show starts with David Byrne goes on stage with an acoustic guitar and a boombox and says, I want to play your tape, and just starts the tape. And it plays a backing track, and he sings Psycho Killer with it. And then Tina Weymouth joins him, and, it and they sing build, a another Talking Heads song. And, and then and then Chris France comes up. They wheel on the drum riser, you know, and Chris France gets aboard it and, and starts with the drums, and Jerry Harrison comes in there. And then slowly it builds and builds, and they've got two singers, and they've got, they've got Steve Scales on percussions, and they, they've got Bernie Worrell on, on, uh, on keyboards. Until after about 15 minutes, you're looking at it thinking, this is the most enthralling live show Jesus you will incredible. ever see. It's just absolutely yeah. amazing. And it's really well shot. And, and they've obviously, the, the movement in it all the way through is absolutely astonishing. And you see the stuff that David Byrne does nowadays with his kind of, you know, his, his choreographed dancing yeah, yeah, band, band, you know, that he, 
And, and you realize, actually, he was doing that way back in Talking Heads time in 1982 and 1983. You know, they're running on the spot. The it's whole incredible. thing feels incredibly athletic. Yeah. The girl singers are dressed as, a, as though for a, a day's jogging or something like that. Yeah. It very much feels like that. the whole thing is moving. And so it's athletic. kind of two sets. And so the first bit is 35 minutes. And then, and then they, they kind of stop, they go off, and obviously they shoot again on another day. And so the first 35 minutes, I cannot commend that too highly to people to go and see that. If you want a transfusion of energy this morning, you know, if you're, if you're feeling you want to shake off the Christmas New Year torpor, go and watch the first half an hour of Stop Making Sense on Netflix. It's, it's and if you've, got, if, you, if you've got it kind of, if you've got television connected to any kind of hi-fi, Turn it up, honestly. I hate to say this. Turn it up. It's just absolutely amazing. You watch Tina Weymouth, as you say, running on the spot while playing yeah. those bass parts and occasionally singing. It's just breathtaking, isn't it? And and, and they and you can see the look of delight on the faces of the members of the band. It's like, well, oh, we're doing this. Yeah. We're actually doing this. We've worked towards this. And this is working. This really is yeah. working. It couldn't get any better than this set of people that we've got at this moment with this material. And the other thing that struck me is if you want to see where all that music from Summer of Soul in 1969 went, go and watch Stop Making Sense because that's where it went. The Word Podcast, prime cuts of popular culture served fresh each week. Okay, well, welcome to our birthday guest, who's somebody who's been a frequent uh, contributor to our Friday night quizzes and uh, has walked off with an indecent number of, uh, of honours from that uh, from that competition. Andrew Slattery, Andrew, happy birthday. Uh, and thanks very much, and thank you for having me. Happy birthday. To give you, it, uh, you are the invincible Andrew Slattery. Well, I, triumphed I, I, in our quiz many times. I, I, I have been very lucky with the way that the cards have fallen. That's true. But um, yeah, it's good fun. You're being impossibly modest. <laughs> <laughs> is, t- is today your birthday? No, it was the 30th. So I share my birthday with uh, two of the monkeys, one of whom, right. Michael Nesmith, who recently passed, right. and, and Jeff Lynn. Oh, right. Oh, very good. Very good. So did you did you have much of a celebration or was it curtailed no, we're, by we're, we're, we're trying to be good and we're trying to kind of stay within, you know, small bubbles and not mix too much. So I was able to meet up with some family, but it was pretty quiet overall. But it was nice because uh, we, were, we, were, we, were, we, had a, we had a slightly delayed Christmas because one of the family had a, a close contact, which turned out to be negative which was great so our, our christmas was kind of delayed anyway um right, but at right. least we got to have it and then the birthday was was quiet but again it was really nice just to have people together so we've we've been behaving ourselves but it's been uh it's been nice oh good 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 so what was it what was your question or your topic that you wish to raise on this special occasion well go I, on have a go I, I i was toying with a few things but, but given the time of year i had this idea that um if if at any stage, either presently or in your past, if either of you have had music-related New Year's resolutions, or for that matter, if you have had a kind of a go-to New Year record that you decide, this is going to be my first play of the year. Oh, wow. 
I don't think Who I've ever. I don't, I don't think I've ever designated one particular record. But I do find I have found in the last because it's been a kind of unique case this year because we've all been at home and I've had COVID for two weeks and so I've been sitting indoors. I've started to play quite a lot of records over this period. Um, and and I've, uh, I've embarked on hunts for records that I thought I had <laughs> and, and uh, trying to find out if I actually do have them. And it's become an almost unhealthy obsession with, in my case. I don't know if anybody's ever had this. I think to myself, I've got a copy of Keith Jarrett's Cologne Concerts somewhere in these records. And so you go and you look under J and it's not there. And you've got other Keith Jarrett records, they're there, but that's not there. And you think, was there ever a time when I had a separate jazz section? And so you go further into the corner and you start burrowing around and you, you turn up all kinds of odd things, but you still don't find it. And honestly, it tortures me so much. I have been known to get up in the middle of the night and go and have a look. Almost set off with a kind of Davy lamp or something. I know where it might be, you know, because I don't know if anybody ever has this. They've got a lot of records. If you, I've got a kind of quite a visual memory. And so if I can't, if I can't think where something is, I start to think, in, in what company did I previously see that record? And you think, oh, hang on, hang on. He used to be next to a Blue Note compilation. If I can find the Blue Note compilation, it will be next to that. Yeah. But I haven't found it yet. Oh, yeah. But that's oh, how I'm using the Hours of fun. That is torture. It's torture. It's the thrill of the chase, though, as well. <laughs> It is. I it is. A- it is the thing. And I, I am a believer in the fact, and I don't know if you agree with this, that that there are certain records you're never meant to be parted from. And so very often I've I've had records, never listened to them at all. And then 30 years later, somebody says, Have you ever heard so-and-so? And you think to yourself, I've got that somewhere. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Bombas. 
Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And you go looking and magically it's there. It appears. Yeah. It finds it's, you. It's found you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think is a beautiful thing, you know, when that kind of thing happens. I yeah. like your idea of musical, uh, music-related r- resolutions. I, I occasionally have resolutions to, to to listen to more of a certain artist. You know, I, I kind of, you know, Judy Sill. I must go back and re-listen to those records. You know, John Fay or whatever. But how about you? Have you got any examples, Andrew? Well, uh, there, there were two I had, which kind of half prompted this, I suppose. One was, and it wasn't really a New Year, but as you say, it was a resolution, and it kind of ties in with what both of you have said when the current unpleasantness started i i was able to work from home so i I had a kind of a home office where my lps were and i started playing records and weirdly for the first couple of months of uh, 2020 i hadn't been playing many but i started playing them on a regular basis and eventually i decided i wonder can i reach a thousand lps by the end of the calendar year i wonder can oh, i play really? a thousand to, to play a thousand, yeah, play play a thousand, thousand different records so you know how tragic uh when it got to the halloween break i, I hadn't I, I i keep a record of what i play but i hadn't kind of compiled stats so you've written them down yes yeah, so, so, so halloween halloween of that year i compiled it and i, I realized okay well i've got to reach I, I had another few to go. So I, I did it. By the end of 2020, I had played 1,009 different LPs. All the way through? Yeah. And all, all different. Like, obviously, some LPs I'd play more than once, but I wanted to have different ones. So so that was that was a kind of, a, if you like, a resolution or a target to set. So what, did you, what did you learn from that? Was there some, were there some, was there some artist you rediscovered and thought? Well, was- yeah, I, absolutely. Like, I, I stuck on it. Um, one I remember specifically is I put on a Charlotte Gainsbourg album that I had bought mm. at the time and I probably played it once. And at the time, for whatever reason, I probably thought, oh, this isn't as good as her previous two. So I played it again and I thought it was fantastic. No, but the, you see, that's, that's the great truth about music. Yeah. You know, it applies more with music than any other art form. That it, it, you know, it catches you unawares. It ca- it catches up with you, you know. And that's why I always find faintly depressing about the company of rock critics. We used to have the, this time of year. Used to happen all the time. You get you get hoiked on some kind of Radio Four program, and you with another four rock critics, and they go, "What ought we to be listening to this year?" Oh, I'm crying out loud. <laughs> you listen to what you feel like you listening, feel like to, listening to. Yeah. The idea that everybody has an opinion about Taylor Swift this year and whatever it was the the year before, who cares? You know, I mean, because music is a kind of magical thing, you know, it's a serendipitous thing. And and I've had records for 40 years and, and it's only after 40 years that you think, no, it's caught up with, you know, I've caught up with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It suddenly music. fits, doesn't it? It suddenly has it relevance. Yeah. But but yeah. also I find you can, and I'm sure you've had this. I mean, I've had acts that I sort of liked in my teens and then sort of drifted away from and yeah, spent yeah, yeah. 20 years saying, oh, they're terrible. I don't like them. But then you sort of rediscover them. Yeah. And, like and, who? Give us an example. Well, one example is um, 
the the Dawn Wars is one that pops into mind. Like when I was a teenager, and of course there was the whole kind of Oliver Stone thing, and kind of everyone sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. that sort of yeah. joke of everyone's obligatory Doors phase. So I had like you know I had all the albums and you know listened to them, but then I sort of drifted away from them for a very long time until a friend of mine bought me the the People Are Strange documentary on DVD, and I watched it and I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I thought I oh, maybe. Maybe it's time we start, you know, listening to this stuff again. So, you know, I, just... I don't know a group that who are easier to construct an argument to either dislike or like them. Yeah, you, you can literally change your mind about the doors in in a split second. Yeah, you, which, which you take which, a step to the left and look at them from another point of view. You think they're ludicrous. Yeah, <laughs> but I think I think that fits in exactly with 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 sort of my relationship with them. The fact that that happened. Yeah, and uh, yeah. it it happened to me with 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 eagles as well in a strange way like yes I, it's another one you know because i had a couple of albums again in my sort of early teens i had a couple of albums and i liked them and i sort of drifted away from them for yeah, years yeah. and then a friend gave me a ticket to see them in 2019 he was unable to go and i went to see them and obviously glenn was gone at this stage but i was so impressed i thought these guys are fantastic <laughs> you know so, so so you were given a ticket for the eagles that yes. must be like being given the house, mustn't it? I mean, how much? How much is it to give to the Eagles? Yeah, it, it was it, it was very generous of him. He, he was unable to go, and he 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 gave me a ticket. I, I don't know how much it was. I mean, it would have been probably one hundred and fifty or two hundred euro. Um, but I think to his delight, I was really impressed because better for well, me uh, yeah. to go and and sort of report back that it was amazing rather than come back and say, yeah, it was okay. It was all right. Exactly. Yeah, I left off, for me. I left off with college. <laughs> Gave me what's, a what's, kick. what's that, Mark? No, I just saying the same thing that happened to me. There's an old pal from college gave me a ticket. It must have been about two years ago when they played at Wembley. And we went to see him. And it, it just struck me that you were they were so familiar. There were so many Eagle songs that you yeah. knew and really liked. Again, you it's very easy to kind of look at them as being absurd and their whole story and everything as being ridiculous. But the music, the records are terrific. Yeah. I, so I also, there's I also only think... one eagle there still. I mean, so we're talking about Don Henley, basically. Are we? Yeah, that's okay. It's, was it Wait. Don Henley? Was it? Oh, I'm trying to remember now. There was Joe Walsh was not original. Joe Walsh would be there, wouldn't it? Yeah, he was Timothy still there. Went, um, probably there. Joe it? Walsh and Timothy B. Schmidt, but Timothy B. Schmidt obviously joined very late, so that he's yeah, yeah, still there, but he's just <laughs> joined very late. Probably joined about For 50 years. joined in the early morning, actually. <laughs> yeah. This is the way we look at the lives of bands, isn't yeah. it? It's like Bob Dylan's early period or whatever. <laughs> I know. Doesn't it amaze you how long I was thinking about Pulp the other day? Pulp, Pulp started only seven years after Steely Dan started, you know. And you kind of think of Pulp as being part of the modern world, you know. It's extraordinary. These bands have been going forever. I remember, I remember there was a review in Q magazine that, that Paul put out a compilation of, if you like, the early years, the sort of pre his and her stuff. Yeah. Covering whatever it was, 81 onwards or whatever year it was. And I, I think they had done it in reverse chronological order on the CD. And the review said, you're basically listening to a band getting worse. that the the later stuff was superior so you know it's kind of i thought that i never forgot you know like sometimes you read reviews and things just stick in your mind i I always remembered that yeah oh that's very good so you've had your birthday what are you doing today um i have a 
quiet day today. I'll probably play some records. And in fact, speaking of kind of yes, what are you gonna, what are you going to play? Well, Tell us what you can play. My brother bought me this. There you go. Oh, we were only just talking about this earlier. So funny. You've just been talking about the summer of soul. Hold that up again. I want to see that again. So your brother's bought you a super vinyl version of "There's a Riot Going On." It's like with, with a with a flyer in the front. It, so it has tell. the flyer, and it's it's red vinyl. Oh wow! So I, I think that's going on today. So that'll be my first play of the year. Well, that is fi- okay. So it's fifty years ago, pretty much today, since that was number one in the United States of America. Number one in in the main Billboard chart, not the kind of weird funk chart, not the indie chart, the main Billboard chart. And it is still, I guarantee you, the strangest record you'll ever hear in your life. Yeah. So have a very good day listening to that. I will. This is a junction in the word podcast. It separates that bit from this next bit. So any other business? And we're joined by uh, cabin boy, Alex Gold. Hello, Alex. Hello. How are you guys? We're very good. Uh, Lovely to see you. We're fine. Happy New Year. We went on you... another cruise in the end of January, aren't you, Magic? I am. I'm flying out to Miami on the 22nd, and they're sending me to the Caribbean, which is terrible, they're frankly. Sending me to the yeah. Caribbean. With your wig. Are you still John Lennon or a different Beatles? Still John Lennon. I'm still John. Yep, still John. A slightly different team. We've got we've got a Peruvian Paul this time. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's brilliant though he, yeah. he speaks with a really i've worked with him before and he speaks with a really heavy south american accent his english is great but heavily accented and when you first meet him you think oh, is this gonna work and then he starts singing and you close your eyes and you are listening to paul mccartney every single nuance every vowel sound every just oh, wow. he's, he's got it down to a perfect art and he's ambidextrous as well so he's right-handed naturally but he's taught but himself. he can play Left not only, bass, not only can he play the bass left-handed, he can play Paul McCartney's bass lines left-handed, which is astonishing. <laughs> that is astonishing. Oh, it's, it's a next-level ninja musician. <laughs> yeah, it is. really is. <laughs> so, uh, be able to do that left or right-handed. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I, no, it, it, no, it really is. I mean, I've tried it, and I, 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 I can't get anywhere with it. And I, you know, I like to think I'm reasonably seasoned. This guy just pulls it off without... Any any problems whatsoever, and can sing with McCartney's accent as well. So um, yeah, oh very good, very good. So you're with the A team now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I want to know how you felt about the news uh, that Coldplay had they announced their retirement from making records. Is they, this basically they have, what no, they just said that that after. 2025, I think they're not going to make any new records. <coughs> you can imagine that the tack that most coverage for this has taken. Yeah, celebrating or not. I mean, Coldplay. I mean, I think Coldplay made some quite good records, and you know, I went to see them once. It's, it's a very good record, and you know, they are they're, they're interesting. They're, they're nothing to get terribly excited about. They're called Coldplay, which is a terrible obstacle in itself. Is it? It's, it's a real <laughs> obstacle. Such a, such a dismal name. Real for a obstacle. So I don't feel very strongly about them either way, but I did feel strongly actually on this occasion that I thought they had a really good point. You know, how, you, here's my what's question the point? to you. How, well, their point is after 25 years, they're stopping making records. They're just going to be a touring band. They're going to accept yeah. the fact that they don't have to get out a new album as an excuse to tour. They're simply going to tour and play the catalogue that they wrote up to the year 2025. And it struck me that was a pretty good idea. There are very few exceptions to the rule, I think, that people, that musicians make really, really strong records after 25 years. Can you think of any examples? Bob Dylan, yes. 
Steely yeah. Dan. I don't for mm-hmm. about eighteen years no. they made great records, but no longer than that. Randy uh, James, Taylor, James Taylor made some very good records. James Taylor well, late on. Nick, 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 Nick Lowe. Lowe made some very Nick good Lowe. records late on, but they are exceptional. Yeah, Leonard there's no doubt extent. about it. Yeah. But if you look at yeah. something like you know, you too, I think there's only three records they've made since after twenty five years. None of which I think are terribly. The Stones, right. really good example. The Stones have oh, yeah. after twenty five years. There'll be no Voodoo Lounge. There's no bridges to Babylon, no a bigger bang. There's no no blue and lonesome. Would you miss those, Dave? Probably not. No, I don't know. Nobody goes along to a Stones concert holding up a banner saying, play some voodoo but lounge. More a bigger they? bang, please. <laughs> <laughs> no. I play don't... Continental Drift. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's all jumpy jack flash and so forth, isn't it? So, Alex, we were talking about this the other day, mm. and you were you were saying that um that you felt that bands now regarded making an LP as a chore. Well, expand the, the whole process from from writing your stuff to demoing it to refining it to pre-production to recording the damn thing um, to get what's it pre, get mixed. What's pre-production, for instance? What pre-pro- is that? Pre-production is when you focus on how it's all going to be arranged. So you go into the studio knowing how you're going to lay it down, essentially. So you're not just going in and seeing what happens with playing it through and just kind of and, and, and winging it. You're, you're going in with a very defined idea of what the parts are going to be and how the, the end product um, is going to sound, you know. Right, but um, do you actually record anything then or just work out the structure of the song? Yeah, there can be demo stages. So, you know, there's a song in its rawest form written by the writer. Um, um, and then it can be kept being demoed um, with the band until they get the right kind of feel for it. That's taken to, you know, there's back and forth to the producer. Yeah. And then you go into the to the big buck studio and do the thing properly. Um, but that's how, you know, that's how you get from, you know, songs to record. And often the finished product on the record is very, very different to what the original demo sounded like. And that's because it's gone through various stages of pre-production um, and refinements and tweakage to get to that point. Um, and if you listen to a band like Coldplay, you know, I mean, they're, they're a world away from the, the, you know, kind of rather twee indie band of Parachutes. Um, if you listen to their later records, they're all mega productions. And, you know, if you listen to like A Sky Full of Stars or something like that, you, you know, that's not the sound of a band going off Chris Martin's demo of the track. That's the sound of a band having gone through various stages with a producer, um, deciding consciously how exactly to record that song with yeah. the exact instrumentation the exact sounds the exact arrangement um and it's, is it's, it not the is it not the case it here he places his hands on his lapel <laughs> Milad. Find Milad. is it not the case it's, it's really interesting this is it not the case that they've somebody's realized actually the more trouble we go to about all this stuff the less popular it is uh because there's no indication that taking any longer with making a record ever made a record more appealing to the public ever i see i don't it, think it it more appealing to the people making the record which is a different thing entirely there's no indication at all everything that all the records you think of all the records been labored over for many years they die like lice in Russians beards they you know, they because they, they they're they're dead on arrival those records whereas records made quickly have a freshness is this not the case 
I put that it to you. Being a very good example, my lord, of proving that. Because yeah. uh, it depends whether people respond also to the idea of spontaneity, don't they? Can you hear spontaneity in music? Does it matter? Yes, I'm I don't think there's any hard think, and fast rule, really. I, I think the mythology is that records make, made, made quickly turn out to be the best, but I don't think that's necessarily the case at all. You know, um, I, I, I don't know conclusively. Uh, but as far as Coldplay are concerned, I just feel like they, they don't they don't need to do it anymore. They know they don't need to do it anymore. And so, you know, if you're hey, making, a- I'm going to take, take examples. Let's just go back. Yeah. First Stone Roses album. Yes. First Stone Roses album made quite quickly. Yes. Mm. Huge success. Second Stone Roses album made how long? It took them over a year. Well, it came it? out five years after the first one, but I think it took them over a year. And there's that famous story about them going down with John Leckie to 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 a studio in Cornwall, wasn't there? Well, they spent yeah, two yeah. weeks getting a drum sound. This is it. Different this amplifiers. You think that's just that's just procrastination. Oh, that's no, it is. And why do you spend two weeks getting a drum sound? Because you can. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. if you're if your group's starting, nobody gives you two weeks to get a drum sound, no, and it delays it's the process of having to do anything. It delays the process, and is it un, is not you know what what we're talking about with Coldplay with all these things, just an indication of the same trend. That you know, more and more effort is putting into making records that people just don't like. Maybe, they but warmed. I think in Coldplay's place, if case, if you look at their trajectory, kind of their, their creative trajectory, they've gone from parachutes to their latest record, and sonically, it's a, they're almost a completely different band. And no, I think uh, what, yeah, what, exactly. what they're thinking as artists is. Like, where can we realistically go with this now? Is there anywhere else we can go? You know, do we want to be demoing 40 songs to whittle down to 12? Um, and if we are... Yeah, but, then... they but my point is you don't have to demo 40 to whittle down to 12. You should be able to just go, all right, there's 12 here. Yeah, you should Let's be able to decide which the 12 good ones are. It's just... But I think it's gonna, if you like say anything. you're not going to put out any more records after 20, 2025, it will focus the mind. And yeah, that's a good yeah. thing. Don't you think yeah. it will intensify oh, yeah. the process? The, the last one Whether they a... stick to it, I don't know, because there's going to be a morning when Chris Martin will wake up having written a song <clears> thing, <throat> oh, I wish, I wish I could release this. But I think in principle, it's a really interesting idea. And I suppose it's almost as thinking about your albums, <laughs> uh, your album cycle as, as, as a chapter of a book, isn't it? You know, they're writing the last chapter and it's going to be a banger. It's going to be a great, great last yeah. album. You know, it's undoubtable for sure. But also, I, I guess it's, you know, indicative of the way that, music industry's going you know um they're becoming a performing band now and you know look at all the all, all the bands of that you know the, the 90s that reformed like supergrass um you know they're all going out shed seven um being massively successful by just playing shows and that's all they do and that's fine that's actually it's interesting. has anybody the people have said this is our last tour uh, your last chance to see us <coughs> but has anyone ever said this is our last record i can't remember that they ever have I can't remember. One. See, that's quite an interesting idea. It's quite an interesting way to market a record. This is the last yeah. one we'll ever make. That's true. <coughs> Sorry about that. That's true. Okay, what else is there? Any other business? Anything else? We've got new Patreons, Alex. Have yeah, we we've got a load of new Patreons. Pipe aboard with my. Come on, get the pipe out. Okay, here we go. Uh, ben Holton. Ben, welcome aboard. <laughs> <laughs> Only just hear it's, the dog it's whistle. Really cool. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. I think my microphone cuts it out when it, you know, <laughs> I think it does. Limiter. Do it again. But go on. That's better. There it is. Nicholas Stephen Proctor. Welcome aboard, Nicholas. Splendid to see you. <laughs> RJ Foster. RJ Foster. Excellent. Sounds like a crime oh, writer from the 50s. 
<laughs> so look at gen- gents outfitters from Walgreen High Road. Yeah. R.H.A. Foster. Carry on. Go on. Tim Burrows. Very good. Welcome aboard, Kim. Oh, Martin. Martin Gurney. And Martin. Welcome, Martin Splendid. Gurney. Welcome, Martin. Tim Hardy. Very Tim good, Hardy. Tim. I thought he said Tim Harding for a minute. Mike. Hey. Michael Howard. Very good, Michael. Lovely to see you. Carl Martin. Hello, Carl. Excellent. And then the, the following are annual patrons. If you subscribe annually, you get a 15% discount on the year. Uh, Stephen Moxness. Excellent, Stephen. Hello, Stephen. Very wise decision. Claire. We should know be seeing Stephen on the occasion of his birthday. Go on. Claire Wetter. Very good, Claire. And Claire also. Look forward to seeing you. Kevin Bork. Kevin Bork. They've Hello, got Kevin. They must do a birthday broadcast. They're a lot of fun. Gareth Rinaldin. Yeah. Very good, Gareth. Love to see you. Richard McGeoch. McGeoch? McGeoch. McGeoch. Hello. Hello, Richard. Anthony John Mumford. Very good. Anthony, Anthony. John Mumford. Ken Cox. Hello, Ken. Excellent, Ken. Step and aboard. These are uh, birthday, the following are birthday tier patrons, which is... Oh, important. okay. All right, again. Okay. Uh, Roger Millington. Good. Hello, Roger. Roger. Splendid. And Al Hearton. And our Al, and nice to hear from you as well. We'll see you on your birthdays. Looking forward to it We're, already. Right. This podcast was brought to you by The Word. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.